Podcast and the perfect end note to your week. I'm Rob Christofferson, and with me, he's the thorn in my pride, the friend in my low places, Brian Hasty. Brian, buddy, it's been a Rob. week. It's it's been a fucking week. Uh, I hope you're hanging in there, man. I am. So full disclosure, we're recording this on a Wednesday, and it's only been Wednesday, but boy, howdy, Monday through today have already been uh, very interesting days for all of us. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, shit's hit the fan pretty hard, uh, you know, out the gate, uh, and we're making it through, we're pulling through, we're, we're doing what we can here, and fucking amen. So, Rob, we had a whole episode kind of planned out, and uh, uh, a lot of research was done. We'd uh, done some listing of certain albums, et cetera, et cetera, and then you called an audible on this, and I thought it was really interesting. I, yeah, I did, and I'm, uh, it was like the last minute audible, this is the Hail Mary here. This is the Tom Brady contract down in Florida right now. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, just given the state of things uh, and, and the virus, which I will not be naming, it can fuck off at this point. But uh, I kind of wanted to just have a loose episode and talk about the music that brings us joy, the things that we put on that changes our mood. And, and, and uplifts us a little bit and uh, i had an easier time with that than you did but like you're you're in the thick of shit man so yeah so i, I mean not to get too much into my personal situation but things are a little tumultuous right now and uh, as i was mentioning right before we started recording i like it took me a long time to sort of figure out the music that i enjoyed listening to that brings me up because i was just like this this is a difficult task this may be the hardest homework you've ever given me it is really hard, and I. it took me maybe, like, 30 minutes before I got really going on, like, what is it that I keep returning to that, like, comforts me, that brings me up, that uplifts me when I need that, that feeling? Uh, and I went on to Reddit, and I followed a, a Reddit post about, like, music that brought people joy, and the interesting thing was is that for most of that music, it was like some of the most miserable shit you have ever listened to in your life. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I can, I can respect that game. I think that's like the adult choice in, in a situation like that. But uh, I was like, no, I, wa- I want to change it up a, a, a little bit and uh, really hammer the shit that uh, is my safety net. So... Brian, what? Let me let me just like ask this uh, first because like I always think it's important to set the foundation of like where albums fit into our lives because we've never really gotten into that. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, like that we're album people. When did you really start listening to albums? I got uh, Alanis Morissette's "Jagged Little Pill" when I was nine or ten, and that's the first time I sat down and listened to a full album. What was that experience like? I remember enjoying it, and I remember – so the weird thing is, in our household, a lot of the radios were AM only except for two of them. And then one day, I remember being seven or eight and flipping the AM to FM switch and discovering all this music. And I remember uh, through the time 
um, hearing uh, Wonderwall by Oasis and then just loving the idea of rock music and then hearing a bunch of Linus's singles and then asking for Jagged Little Pony. I remember I got it for Christmas and it had uh, like a the Canadian version of like a parental uh, parental advisory sticker on it and my parents didn't care apparently and uh, <laughs> so I just I sat down and I remember listening to it from start to finish once twice three times during that day and I just I fell in love with the concept of of taking a walk from beginning to end. Yeah, like sticking with the whole project uh, from start to finish is, uh, and seeing where that goes. Like, I I kind of joke with certain albums about how some of them train wreck. Like, uh, I've always loved uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers Californication, and then they put Porcelain in there, and I just fucking hate that song. <laughs> Didn't we have like a whole conversation about that like on the internet at one point? You and I, I feel like yeah. we have how, how like it's a great album except for like there's like two like even I like Dirt is a is a good song comparatively speaking. I think yeah yeah absolutely. Uh, I think that album is just slightly too long. They could have taken a couple songs off there, but like I mean that was their comeback album. Um, they would what took like four four or five years off and yeah uh, i mean yeah it was also like dave navarro getting kicked out and then like frushanti coming back in yeah and like the, that seems to be a continual trend these days but uh, <laughs> yeah they're on what like their, their third or fourth stint with him like back in the band right yeah and you know he frushanti's had like some interesting career trajectories he's played with the mars volta at times and uh, have you tried listening to any of his solo stuff like it, his like one of his like six thousand albums i hate all of them <laughs> okay good i was about to say like i think the line of our friendship may be divided as to how you answer the following question but yeah i tried like two maybe like 10 years ago or, or 12 years ago and I just, it was it was awful it was awful guitar wankery that like wasn't even good right like the like he makes Yingve Malmstein actually look good, and Yingve Malmstein's <laughs> a shitty songwriter. I'm just gonna put that out there. <laughs> uh, uh, to anyone, like maybe we'll drop this in the episode, like the show notes. But like, there's a ton of like really funny compilations of him getting mad on stage, and it's like the best <laughs> thing in the world. Oh, that's amazing. That is... So Rob, before I forget, um, backing things up, like what was the first album experience you ever had? Mine was like a trifecta of albums. So the first one that really ever grabbed my attention. And it was one that uh, I asked my sister for for Christmas is uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi by R.E.M. And that album, uh, from start to finish, is the weirdest R.E.M. project. But it's so captivating. It's, it's this real great exploration of what a band could really do with their sound. And they really went all out they they kind of road tested this album they they played a lot of these songs on the road and they just tested these out on a crowd and they put this album together and it's it's probably one of their longest in their discography but uh i just remember loving it to the point where uh, i think it was like last year or two years ago i bought this um they have this limited edition deluxe cd from back in 96 and i ended up finding an ebay copy uh yeah it was like two years ago for like 50 fucking bucks <laughs> so like uh that was the start of it and then uh that year i got a cd player for christmas i kept begging my parents for one because my sister had one she was always you know playing albums all the time and uh the first albums I ever got were 
Oasis is What's the Story Morning Glory, which was a pivotal album for me. Uh, from start to finish, it's a just a baller record. And uh, No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom, just uh, another great record. It's still, it's still pretty fucking great. That third wave ska movement is pretty fucking awesome. So uh, they were so unique on that front too. So like, it's so funny that you mentioned that album because that's the second one that I bought after Jack a little pill. I remember having like my Christmas money and, and going to the mall and it was like 12 or 13 bucks, but I knew I had to have it. And like from the, like the intro of spider webs all the way to the end, like, yeah, it's another incredible journey to take. And uh, yeah, it's just weird. Now that I'm talking about this, I, I feel like my like, uh, uh, preteen years were like informed by like angry women in a good way mm-hmm. almost yeah absolutely and like that's kind of one of the best ways to experience your teen years is <laughs> is through is through that lens uh but i remember like spinning those uh albums like over and over and over again and uh uh, building my collection from there, you know, and, I, and I've always had like just like a fondness for like physical media, CDs. Like uh, occasionally, I'll still buy a CD. I I don't, you know, I'm buying mostly vinyl now. But like, if there's something I feel strongly attached to, I will buy it on CD. Um, so maybe we should insert a quick PSA right now, given the like the circumstances. If you can afford to um, uh, help out your artist friends right now, especially those who you know count on touring or being in public in order to make any amount of money, a lot of people uh, very thin, you know, razor thin margins on tours and things like that. So if you can help anyone out at this point, please by all means go and spend you know an extra couple dollars either digitally or as you know uh, Rob and, and I to a lesser extent both love to do is is, is to buy the physical copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we had Lydia Liza on the podcast. They were uh, along with Big Cats. They were talking about their album. Uh, the great thing about Lydia Liza right now is she's doing on Instagram these live table reads of movies. She's done Goodfellas, Little Mermaid. Uh, I believe they're doing Mean Girls tonight. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, she always uh, throws up her Venmo. So if you could throw Lydia Liza some money uh please do um but uh yeah support each other in this time as best you can i know we're all suffering a little bit but if you can afford to uh please do uh so brian what's what's an album or 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 a song or something that brings you joy, man. So I'm going to cheat a bit, right? Because uh, I was always thinking of albums in the classical sense of like one work completed in a certain time frame. But uh, I'm going to take it back to like when I was a kid. And uh, the first CD that my, my dad ever brought home with a CD player in the early 90s was a double disc Beach Boys greatest hit set. Hot damn. Um, and that I remember like even as a kid, like being amazed at the production behind Good Vibrations. Like I remember being a kid and being like, there's so many sounds in here. I don't know what's going on. I, my brain couldn't comprehend the idea of like, like I, I didn't understand how music was recorded until like maybe like age seven or eight. So to me, it was just like this wizardry that existed. Right. Um, so especially like the more experimental stuff, like the couple of Pet Sounds um, um, songs that were on the the, the second disc. Uh, it was either Good Vibrations or Kokomo were my two go-to, which is kind of like the weird sort of like, uh, you know, pillars at each end of the, the Beach Boys, like, spectrum, I guess. And I remember just being, like, entranced by all of it. Yeah, like, I never got the appreciation for the Beach Boys until I became an adult. And I, I used to have this friend that would, 
He was into like burning his uh, or ripping his CDs and like putting them on a external drive, and he would like sell me like what he had. And at one point, he had actually taken like the snippets of what they had for the smile sessions, and he actually made his own mix, which was pretty. It was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it, but uh, I didn't really appreciate the Beach Boys probably till even like a few years ago, but like. Pet Sounds is one of those albums that I think, unless you really get it, like, from the production side, you're never going to fully appreciate that album. And I think uh, more than the harmonies that the Beach Boys had to bring to the table, I think the production is really what makes them great. Yeah, I agree. But even, like, the earlier, like, the, the, the songs, like, you know, about, uh, you know, being on the beach or, like, driving around to me were very, very, like... Uh, strangely enough, like as a kid, I just identified with the idea of being in the sun a lot, you know, like, and that's what it was when I wasn't in school and during the summer, I'd play that CD um, up until the point where I sort of like wore out um, the CD pretty much the laser wouldn't read anymore. Yeah, that's the sign of a, you know, a a true music listener back in the day is when you just fucking wore those things out. So did you have any of those CDs? Like, are there any, like, so for me, it was that it was Jagged Little Pill and it was Arlie Pieces Clumsy for me. For me, I think it was Shania Twain's Come On Over. Uh, That was uh, one that I just, I would, the the thing that I used to do back in the day, uh, and it started when I was a kid, I would I would always have the radio on to fall asleep to. So, oh same. Yeah. So, uh, and, and the weird thing was is at times like when I was really younger, my dad would be working at the radio station on like Thursday nights. So I would hear his voice. I would fall asleep to his voice, and there are always songs that kind of bring me back to that time. I was maybe seven, eight years old, somewhere around there. But uh, uh, Katie Lang's "Constant Craving." Um, uh, so you're just going all Canadian here, like yeah, from a early little, age. You were you were very Canadian. There there were some Canadian dude. We had Katie Lang and, and Brian Adams. They were all over the radio. <laughs> Celine Dion. We yeah. we had all the imports, man. We had all the imports. Uh, John Cicada's "Just Another Day Without You." I don't understand why that song sounds like the night to me, but it will always like uh, stings fields of gold. Um, but then when I got a little older. I would put on a CD and uh, fall asleep to it. And uh, for a number of years, I, I spun uh, Shania Twain's The Woman to Me and uh, Come On Over. Those were like two really important ones. And then uh, a few years after that, it was Pink Floyd after they did, released uh, Echoes. Um, that was big in rotation in my CD player. And I think that, and come on over for the CDs that I really wore out. Yeah. So those two CDs, like memories that do bring you joy. Oh yeah. All, all the time. Like I don't, I think they've put, come out with like two or three different uh, Pink Floyd's greatest hits compilations. And I'm like, no man, echoes is, uh, is the best because it was like mixed really well together. It flows. It's like an album in itself in the way that it flows from song to song. Uh, I don't think that, um, some of those albums got, got enough love. Uh, uh, what, the, what, what album didn't get love? Hold on. I got, I, I always forget what the fuck album this is. 
we're gonna we're gonna look it up right now uh as as i'm doing this i'm gonna i'm gonna vamp as best i can uh because i it, it, the final cut i never gave the final cut enough credit but i think it's kind of like seeing revisionist history at this point to the to that level where i think it's looked at more favorably than not before i forget rob this is something i completely wanted to bring up to you um uh, regarding the beach boys have you ever heard of Brian Wilson's 1991 rap song, Smart Girls? I haven't. Oh my god, okay. So this is obviously on a bootleg, and I'll see if I can find a YouTube link, but it is the most incredibly weird thing. Uh, it, their lyrics written by him and his um, therapist. <laughs> when, when, uh Yeah, uh, like Dr. Landy, because I, I was a, a huge Beach Boys uh, fan, like let's say like 10 years ago when I was reading about this. And yeah, there's, there's bootlegs that exist of his 1991 aborted album, Sweet Insanity, and there's a, a rap song on there. It is uh, it is something else, Rob. I'll see if I can find it for you because like you're, you're, you're probably going to cry. It is really bad. I <laughs> like Brian, you are th- this connoisseur of shit music and you just keep throwing it at me. <laughs> yeah, that's my plan. Like I sent you Celine Dion's son and now I'm sending you <laughs> Brian Wilson's rap project. The nice thing is is I was able to pay big tip forward and I I linked oh a God. friend to oh. uh, a couple of his songs and she just like she was like, "Oh Straight my." Up awful. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> awful it is like the inverse of a good pink floyd song it really is as is as is smart girls the uh brian wilson track (laughs) i don't know why when you were when you were talking and i just was thinking uh and listening to you and i was like oh right and then i had i had i just had to interject with this stupid piece of ephemera that i need you to listen to yeah i think that's the about the uh the flow that we have here you know you you definitely bring it to the table very loosey-goosey today (laughs) yeah Um, uh, something that brings me joy and is would be no surprise to a lot of people here is um, uh, the band Aqua's first album, Aquarium. Yeah. Yep. Fun, bouncy pop music, you know, Dr. Jones, uh, Barbie Girl, et cetera, et cetera. Like all of that to me is like perfect working music and I'll still throw it on when I'm at work when I need to concentrate on something because it is it is enjoyable and just mindless enough that you don't necessarily have to pay attention to it to know what's going on. Yeah, well, 100%. Like I would compare them to like a... Almost like a knockoff version of the B-52s. Don't you dare. I, I, I'm sorry, but I have to. Like, it's I, fine. It's, uh, my sister had that CD. She used to play it all the time. The, the thing was, I think she got it through my um, my membership to, uh, to BMG. <laughs> uh, okay. Because I, I did have that for a while. I did. Uh, and I'm pretty sure she also took my copy of enema of the state when it came in <laughs> so rob the funny thing is that's actually the next album on my list is it enema of the yes. state yes because i was going to talk about how great pop punk is like in terms of like tempo and speed and and uh tunings and things like that so enema of the state i had written down enema of the state and like newfound glory is like early discography before they got a little too mature for this mm-hmm. um so you know nothing gold can stay yeah songs like uh you know uh my friends over you, et cetera, et cetera. And then enemy of the state. Yeah. The party song, Mutt, Wendy Claire, some of them are a little problematic in terms of like, uh, uh, lyrical content, you know, very, uh, teenage minded. But then again, like the bounce is on there. And of course the immortal aliens exist, which kind of, uh, gives us an idea of Tom DeLonge's thinking for the last like two decades, pretty much. Right. And <laughs> I still enjoy that song. You know, it's still pretty, it's dumb and it's great. And like, well, I mean, like, the lyrics open with, like, hey, mom, there's something in the back room. Like, you know, yeah. you know something's up. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> get your get your kid to a therapist or something. Like, yeah. let's let's work yeah. through this. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm fully uh, agreeing with that. But yeah, um, you know, all of this sort of like the the pop punk from like the like the the nicely produced pop punk, like yeah, like End of the State, the newfound glory stuff, um, even early My Chemical Romance. Uh, I feel like is of a time and a place that like um, uh, brings me joy, I guess, too, because on where it falls on my personal timeline, like it was very during my formative years right so during my like my teenage years this was the music i sort of like gravitated towards too right and like those years for me occurred in my 20s which is weird so it's like this weird uh time shift because all of that uh mid-2000s modern rock emo um post-rock kind of stuff that was going on uh, was happening to me in like my early 20s and i think the one album that i've gone back to probably the most uh is uh paramore's riot because it's just a a fucking banger record from start to finish and like i think paramore has like to me they have the anthem of all the shit that we're going through on that uh album uh hallelujah man is just one of those like anthems for knowing that you're gonna get through this shit and that being uh, a strong unit together is going to get you through anything. So uh, this is my official nomination for the, uh, the song of this pandemic. Hallelujah <laughs> by Paramore. Uh, I'm more of a crush, crush, crush boy, but I feel you. That, that's, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. Also a, a banger song. Uh, it's also from that era of music that I, get a fondness for a band that uh is is from my state and probably n- very few people know them they were on a record label called uh 111 records the most famous band to come off of that i think was the spill canvas and i don't think they got much further than two albums out of their run on i think epitaph records or something like that but uh uh, there was a band called This Day and Age, and they played this kind of, they they leaned kind of Christian, but they weren't Christian because, like, uh, in, in the way that, like, Lifehouse keeps things ambiguous, uh, This Day and Age kept things ambiguous. And it's it's not the most flashy alternative pop rock you've ever heard. It's not, but there's something about the way that their music was captured on their first album. It's called Always Leave the Ground. And it's kind of one of the most positive albums that uh, I've ever really heard. It's like, it, it it's, there's songs on it about like um, forgiveness and, and shit like that. Uh, there's um, one of the, the, the most famous song I think from it is a song called Second Place Victory. And it's all about like, um, th- this advice you're supposed to follow uh, about, you know, being humble and, and forgiving and empathy and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of that on this record, but, like, the, the first two songs on it just, like, always, like, grabbed me and pulled me in. And even their uh, follow-up album, The Bell and the Hammer, uh, when they dropped it, it was in late 2006, and 
they were going to go out and tour tour for this record. I don't think they were that they had a lot of gigs lined up, but what they did instead was they announced that they were breaking up. And this was a band that my father and I really, you know, be, grew to love. Like we would listen to their CDs in the car all the time. And I'm like, dad, these, you know, these guys are breaking up and he's like, get us tickets. We're going to see them. We're going to see their last show. So we ended up going to, uh, this really, it, it was an interesting kind of bar slash stage in Buffalo. It was kind of in a suburb of Buffalo. And the cool thing was, is like there were four bands on this bill. Like this day and age was headlining, but uh, uh, I think one of the bands was uh, Rookie of the Year um, and, uh, and a couple of others. But uh, the cool thing was we walked in the door and immediately to the your left there were these pool tables and there were members of rookie of the year just playing pool right there it was pretty cool and uh you walk further back and you know there's this kind of horseshoe bar to the right side and if you keep going there's this large stage area so uh my dad had back problems you know for most of his life so it was cool to share this concert experience with him he was sitting at the bar i was up front and uh it was like one of the best concerts that I've ever been to. And, and, and it, it just in how a band can capture a room with the, with a song or a series of songs. It was always, it's always something that I look back on and think about. And uh, like one of my fondest memories of that time is going to that show and, being there like i i still remember everything so clearly it's uh it's a really great experience it's interesting how the music sort of transcended um like one sense like orally and then like having to like share a physical space with with this band right because you went to the show they were feet away from you like it's kind of interesting how that sort of transcends from one sense to the other and then also like from the physical to the emotional yeah yeah 100 percent. like the cool thing was is like the band was there like shaking hands after the show, like uh, as you're going out the door, it was it was. Really- Did you ever feel like a compulsion to like stick around after a band's done to like talk to them or like wait by their bus? Yeah, done it. Uh, Eric Pasley, I've okay, I've talked to him probably twice now, and he's a really really cool dude. Uh, there was one, I've seen him like three times now i think at this point because he just puts on a an incredible show for a guy who projects like he's in a in a big arena or stadium and he's in a small club or something like that and like the cool thing was is like i was wearing a sturgill simpson shirt once (laughs) and he's like sturgill simpson i was like yeah it's like is that any good i was like hell yeah it is he's like i'm gonna go listen to that <laughs> uh, i have a completely inconsequential one that's sort of like a a, a strange sort of like a antithesis to like a very sweet 
sort of encounter is um i went to a music festival in toronto maybe uh it was 2010 so 10 years ago now wow okay and uh we used to go see um bands at bars and the last shows of the night for various venues were like two or three o'clock so we managed to catch uh walter shreefels this guy who was in quicksand and he was in uh uh gorilla biscuits and rival schools and uh i was with my friend omar and we just decided to just you know he's just hanging out at the bar at like 2 30 in the morning so we just decided to like shoot the shit with him but we would ask him weird questions like do you know the fuel song shimmer and then like we just like we, we would ask him questions like this right so what it happened is that rival schools had put out one album then broke up and then there was talk of a shelved second album by uh the record company so we asked him about that and then like we had one serious question and then there's like 10 minutes of like weird questions like you know what are you eating these days <laughs> that's amazing and so it was like this like really weird kind of like situation where like i i mean like i could also tell that he was sort of like bored so we just wanted to make his night better so we're like why don't we troll with him that's that's pretty amazing didn't you say you almost caught a cab with sam roberts too <laughs> yes uh yeah so basically we went to a newspaper conference um student newspaper conference uh in saskatoon saskatchewan in the middle of january and for some reason sam roberts and his band were also there so it was like midnight at the airport and we didn't know what was going on so then we're like do you want to split a cab but it turned out they were going to the other side of town um and so we watched sam roberts just sl- like slowly but surely like walk away right so it's a real brother down situation <laughs> perfect perfect way to tie that in you, you fucking you teed me up for that one let's be honest here yeah that that's totally fair <laughs> you, you you've got a point there <laughs> so is there like a go-to like not never mind like an album but like a song apart from like hallelujah that you want to go to whenever you feel like a certain kind of way because the funny thing about this episode is we're fighting against your brand of sad bastardness yeah we are and like there are i'll get stuck in a song for like maybe 20 plays sometimes like something about it is like so inviting like uh there are a few songs that come to mind uh our good buddy uh big cats he back in 2015 he did an album with uh his co-host on uh the what if podcast ryan copperwood they did this album together it's called the the polar bear rug and the first song on that is a song called forklifts and the the uh sample that he's doing the beat that he's doing man it's just like it's so hypnotizing and then and then ryan comes in with this like really hardcore rap about um it's kind of like the way that he raps it's very personal it's very in your face so like I can't I can't even put it totally into words but like if you want a good example of a song that you can get lost in uh Forklifts is is one of those songs for me uh Superposition by Young the Giant I'll sometimes I'll listen to that song like 30 fucking times until I I can't anymore um but it's just like for me sometimes it's just about the melody and there's something about that melody um and I, I don't know what the fuck that it, that sound is that they're playing, but it's like, it's it's a string instrument of some kind. I don't know. Right. I don't know exactly what it is. If it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly. <laughs> but it's like, it's just like, it, it, it's like, okay, I got to keep listening to this. Keep listening to this. Keep listening to this. Um, Cindy Lopper's All Through the Night. Okay. Uh, and, and I think what's amazing about that song is if you listen to the that um that uh synths like trickle down the 
the keyboard sound trickle down. It, it's it's the sound of someone who's like, well, it's the sound of two people that are essentially running out of time. So like, uh, that like, I'll I'll live in that song for a while too. Um, I have a whole like playlist of songs, but those are the like three that I can think of off the top of my head that uh, really just like put me in a good place. When I-, I have one that no matter what, when I hear it, it makes me laugh just how absurd it is. But it's also like a great song. And I can't remember if I punished this. Uh, I punished you with this last year. But uh, you know how everyone was saying like uh, they were making like uh, sort of like a riffs on uh, the greatest team of all time when Endgame, Avengers Endgame came out. And they, yeah. like, they were posting other things. I actually do think I have the greatest team up of all time. It is a song called Scatman and Hatman featuring Scatman John and Lou Bega. Oh my god! And it came out last year, and for some reason I don't know what happened. I had put on a YouTube video of a uh, like an older music video, and I'd walked away. And then I come back ten minutes later, and somehow the algorithm served me up this incredible video, and it is <laughs> so good. And so, of course, I have listened to the song probably like fifty times now. Oh man, that that so. sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> it's it's honestly really really good. Also, like um in a similar kind of vein, like I really enjoy um um kind of like upbeat edm for me so um something like major lasers lean on is like a song that i've probably listened to like a thousand times now no joke throughout you know the last like five years or so um i just enjoy the beat i think it's it's really interesting it's also short it's two and a half minutes it's something to put on i it, it gets me in a good mood yeah um i think along the same lines uh for me i think it was my cousin that introduced me to this version of this song but if you uh, head on over to Spotify and you uh, click on the Beastie Boys and you go to the Sound of Science collection, there's a cover version of Benny and the Jets done with Biz Marquee. And, <laughs> right, and live like, from Madison Square Garden. Yeah, and it's so fucking amazing. It is, <laughs> it's just like listening to Biz Marquee try to do Elton John is like one of the greatest like vocal like oral experiences of your life like listening to them do that song is so fucking amazing uh that it it brings a, a smile to your face instantly like when i play it for people that i know and they don't fucking get it that's when i stop talking to them i'm like you, you just don't fucking know <laughs> i remember getting that for christmas one year and so on the first disc there's like two joke songs and i just had to look this up to confirm they're on the same disc but there's a 35 second song called country mike's theme yep yeah and then there's also um and they shot a video for this there's a song called booming granny <laughs> and uh, yeah. just when you're talking about like the the hilarious nature of like bismarcky i just i picture the video because they for some reason they shot a video for booming granny and it's it's one of them in a boat like in the middle of a lake sort of like doing this like <laughs> the whole song uh uh it's it's such a weird compilation though, when you really think about it because yeah they have the greatest hits there but then they have like the randomest sort of like b-sides and unreleased stuff yeah they do it just like it, it was kind of weird because like in when I started working at Ames department stores, I had a, a coworker named RJ, and he was like a hippie who he had pretty good taste in music. But one CD that he gave me to listen to was In Sounds from Way Out, and like I'm like, why are you giving <laughs> That's such this a weird intro to like the Beastie Boys? I know. I'm like, why? This is all instrumental shit from their other albums. I'm like. That's cool if you're going to, like, maybe, like, remix some shit or something, but, like... Can I ask you a question? Yeah. 
Was he a fan of the Herb? <laughs> he might have been, man. Because, like, honestly, like, I, the more I think about it, like, did he, it was his opening line, like, hey, Rob, do you like bongos? Like, <laughs> you know, like, there's... So... Actually, he was a big fan, of, big fan of it. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I think we've solved that. That is such a weird, I resisted buying that for the longest kind, because I was just like, these are just instrumentals. I'm fine. Like, I'm good. Right. Like, maybe if, you know, you're, you're doing something you can put them on the background sure why not? i guess so yeah yeah if it's like a like an ancillary like a secondary activity like if you're not sitting there listening to music but like doing something and listening to music then like it's good yeah um so there's a there's a song that i learned about a couple weeks ago and I, i'm i'm we're gonna go into sore spot here brian for a minute but uh all right let's do this uh like um uh, one one podcast i listen to all the time and i told you to listen to this podcast is reply all and I and I know you got beef. I know you got fake it's beef. It's not real beef. It's not real beef. One of, I I I spent time with one of the co-hosts, you know, 10, 12 years ago too as a student. So like n- nothing but love here for PJ. <laughs> and like he reported a really good story about this guy um who his, his name is Tyler and he had this song that he was like you know, jokily like uh, singing to his wife one night while they were leaving a party, and like he tried to find the song online and he could not find it anywhere. So, like, the episode is this like journey of one guy who remembered the song so damn well that they were able to recreate it with a band in the in in a studio, and were actually able to find the actual song and talk to the writer of that song. And that song is called So Much Better. It's by a guy named Evan Olson. And the thing is, is like, this is the lost 90s banger that you wish you had heard back in the day. Because it's so quirky. It's so fun. And like, I've listened to it probably 25 times since I learned about it two weeks ago. It's so how fucking does, fun. How does it line up to the Rembrandts? I'll be there for you. Um, It's quirkier, man. It's quirkier. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, it, like, are we talking like President of the United States quirky here? Yeah, man, you you definitely, but like, it, listen, I have a lot of time coming up, like a lot of time uh, off coming up, right? So I think I'm gonna get to that reply all episode like next week or the week after. I can promise you that much. Okay, uh, please do, and then go listen to so much better, like on repeat for like you know a day and a half, and you'll be <laughs> you'll be where I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you know, you, you know, I'm a fan of, uh, of, uh, you know, a louder sounds. Um, and so sometimes like, I feel like it's okay to be angry. I feel like sometimes it is okay to feel, um, um, rage in a positive kind of way. Uh, you know, and music can be an outlet for that. So to that end, I'd like to uh, propose two hardcore albums. So there's hate breeds, perseverance and mad balls legacy. And I feel like both were, um, uh, released within like four or five years of each other from 2001, 2005. Um, but really like, it's a good way to filter any sort of negative feelings and turn them into positive ones because like, uh, there's a lot on there. Like the first track of the hate breed song is called, uh, the hate breed album is called proven. Right. Uh, and the lyrics go, you want to see me fail. You'll never get your chance. So it's kind of hard to be mad at something like that, which trying to lift you up. Yeah. There's no fucking way you can be mad at that shit. You kidding? Like, so to me, like, I think that like the, it, it's weird because I came to hardcore later on, sort of like when you had your early twenties waking, I had the same thing happen with a lot of that kind of music where I listened to a lot of new, uh, new metal when I was a teenager, as well as a lot of pop music. But then like, I slowly started discovering like all these like, like cracks and like slivers and things like that. And I'd listen to these albums that I never got a chance to, um, even just a couple of years earlier. So like, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 ish, it was a lot of like exploration for me in terms of like the hardcore genre. And the, and the thing was, is like back in the the that time period i used to get alternative press and like the one thing i would do 
is I would flip to the reviews to see what was coming out. That's the way I discovered a lot of the music that I was listening to back then. And there was always that range from like pop punk to the, the little more hardcore stuff to the metal. And it's just like, I definitely had my threshold. I stopped at a certain point, but like for sure, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like AP back in the day, like I remember picking up from the newsstand, like maybe once every couple of months, and like you're right, it, it was like such a wide gamut of things. Like it would cover things like atmosphere and Sage Francis, and then like hardcore, and then pop punk, and then like singer songwriter stuff, right? So it was, I felt that it was more representative of the music I wanted to listen, to listen to versus like something like Rolling Stone, right? Yeah, I mean Rolling Stone is too busy sucking ass with Green Day and U2, and nobody needs that. Like, By the way, did you hear did you hear Bono's recent song? No. That's for everyone in Italy. It was stereotypical Bono. I mean, like well intentioned, but like super overblown kind of dramatic thing. Like Bono just needs to calm down. Like he needs like the narrative. The narrative of him being the savior of the world is like still in his head. He hasn't saved anybody anything i think geico has been more effective at saving people anything (laughs) than bono has maybe like this isn't like back in the 80s when you know northern ireland was going through what it was going through like at that time i think u2 was probably at the peak of representing like a people but uh since then no um i don't think i don't think they've represented anybody since mm, before the Joshua Tree, that's it. Yeah, I'd say even like maybe some of the uh, sort of like human rights plights of the '90s, but I draw the line there. Yeah, yeah. I mean they 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 <laughs> they fucked their career with Pop Mart. Let's be honest. Wow, Discotech is a great fucking song. Fuck you. Uh, listen, I'm not saying that that wasn't a banger. I'm not saying that I didn't fucking tap my toes to that fucking song because I did, but the rest of that album, fucking garbage. Uh, what what was the other the single like? Staring at the sun was okay. It was like uh, it seemed like knockoff Depeche Mode. Fair enough. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that, but I did like the song. Yeah, the rest can sort of drop off. But uh, those two, discotheque and staring at the sun, and I guess at the same time, like um, was when uh half of the band recorded the Mission Impossible cover. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. Well, I can go back to forgetting about it after this. <laughs> <laughs> you had your your mandatory YouTube moment there. I I did like this is around the time that um th- like Metallica was doing load man and like cutting like, their hair, cutting their hair like and and most of their hair hasn't really recovered. But... No, well especially Lars. Well, you know Lars just you know he's follically challenged so. Well, amongst other things, yes. I don't know. Like, so I'm gonna be honest with you. I um, so Metallica has been doing something really crazy. They've been uploading, um, like live cut videos of their last world tour every, once a day, every day for the last like year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lars falls off real fast on the beat for a lot of these. Like, they, I, I I can't remember if it was Saint Anger or Frantic. Like one of the two songs that they rarely play live, they decided to do it um in Spain, and like the fall off, the drop off, like from like the first measure is real rough to listen to. Dude, he is, like, one of the worst drummers ever. <laughs> like, uh, one of the things that we that we uh, like to do at work is, like, there is a uh, co-worker that we have that uh, plays drums. And uh, one of the things that we like to make him feel self-conscious about is hitting the cymbal too much. Because if you listen to, like, uh, a lot of the Black Album... Lars is symbol heavy in that because it almost seems like he doesn't know what to do because they're playing slower music. So he's just like, <laughs> yeah, let me hit it, get an extra symbol hit in there. 
it's true like if you go listen to um i'm trying to think now like of wolf and man or something where it's kind of like a mid-tempo rocker yeah let i can hear it now it's true yeah he's just like uh, uh what the heck were we were we uh fucking listening to um yeah, this is going to be the album or the episode where I go to fucking Spotify every time I can't remember a <laughs> song. <laughs> uh, but that's fine. Uh, what, what Andrew Sandman, Sad But True. Sad But, uh, yeah, yeah, Sad But True. Cause like, the Kid Rock song, you mean? Yeah, the Kid Rock song. Oh my God, don't get me fucking started on that. I, 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 I bought the history of rock. Don't even. <laughs> wow wow you know where i bought it from walmart no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you bought it like when it first came out or like was this secretly last week no this when it when it came out in like 2000 because uh you know i was big into wrestling so i needed that uh undertaker fucking theme right there so you gotta have it you gotta have it when the dead man rocks in with his motorcycle you gotta have it yep when you know you hear that fucking man say dead man walking and you need that fucking theme <laughs> to accompany that you you go out and you buy the history of rock or Amen. you go and buy you know limp biscuit back when he was rolling 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 but uh yeah oh man the memories of buying fucking kid rock cds jesus christ rob i feel like this may be a good place to end episode nine of the coda before we <laughs> devolve even more <laughs> Oh, fucking A. Um, Anyways, I feel like we, we kind of like, you know, we're, we're fighting against the current here of a lot of bad news. And I feel like I very much appreciate when you decide to say, hey, let's like take a pause on the stuff we wanted to do because we had a full episode planned, right. um, which we'll get to eventually. Um, but instead, like, I feel like this has been like a really fun exercise in visiting things that like bring me joy. So I thank you for like, you know, uh, taking a chance and then like, you know, putting this forward. Okay, so we got to end it with one final selection that brings us joy, Brian. Pick one <laughs> one album that brings you joy. All right, uh, please hold because I am all out of them. That's fine. <laughs> do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay, so here, do you want me to throw it to you? Like, yeah. Rob, do you have a final album or song that you'd like to uh, impose on everyone? Yes. Uh, one that uh, is definitely an, an album that I've returned to more in the 2010s that, uh, than anything else, and it's the uh, King is Dead by the Decembrists, and... I think the thing is, is that album feels like a communal album. It's an album about like almost a, a, a community holding itself up and, and stuff. And like, uh, especially that, uh, uh, the, the first song on that album is, uh, oh man, don't carry it all is it, it, it's a song about uplifting others around you and stuff. And then you have calamity song. It's got, uh, you know, mentions of like David Foster Wallace's infinite jest in it. And it's also like infused into the music video. Uh, the, the highlight of that album is rise to me, which is a song that Colin Malloy wrote to his son. And, uh, it's like, it's five minutes of something really emotional, but something really uplifting and, uh, just fucking makes me feel good. It's, the Decembrists going all Americana on her asses and doing a pretty damn good job of it. So the King is dead. My final pick, go out and listen to it. Rob, we were so close to a bastard, sad bastard free episode here. I, it's not really sad bastardy though. Like I can't really, I it's can't, on the edge. It, maybe, but like, dude, there's too many like fucking sea shanties on this. Thing fair enough. Fair enough. Sad. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> 
<laughs> Rob, I'm going to pick something that uh, would probably not surprise you given where I've been going with this episode. It is the uh, first proper studio album of a little outfit I like to call Real Big Fish. It is an album called Turn the Radio Off. <laughs> Uh, uh, from the opening track, Sell Out to, uh, you know, Beer, which is the immortal classic, Everything Sucks, and then the horn-laden Skatanic, uh, 40 minutes of, like, pure third-wave ska for your ear holes. It's funny, you were mentioning uh, Tragic Kingdom before, which I feel is more expansive than just the ska. Yeah. This is this. This is strictly ska for all of your ear holes. Yeah, I mean, it's real big fish. Like, <laughs> Yo, if this isn't having you picking it up, picking it up, picking it up, I don't know what will. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean... Fuck, man. That is that is a perfect way to end this fucking episode. <laughs> um, and as always, people can find us over on Twitter at the Coda Podcast. Same thing over on Instagram. You can also email us at thecodacast at gmail.com. Rob, this is uh, has been very interesting, so I thank you very much for, for putting all this together, man. Uh, we needed... Man, we just needed a, a good fucking loose conversation, and I think we got that, and I think the listeners have also received that. So... In the meantime, don't forget to keep the cans on. <laughs> <laughs>